and welcome to episode 10 of the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Joining me as a co-host is Shona Hickmore. And coming back from a week off is Corey Travers. Corey, I'm happy to have you back because now me and Shona won't have to pull numbers out of our ass and pretend like we know what we're talking about. And there no, we go. No, there we go. Pulling numbers out of my not, ass. Not, not everybody. The first person to earn us the explicit tag on this it's episode me. is Preston. I haven't right. sworn yet, but you know, if we're going to put, I guess that could be explicit. I, I don't. He already got a job. He doesn't need. Uh, he doesn't need to play yeah. clean anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we're going to kick off the show with the thing that everyone in Edmonton and the hockey community is talking about. Connor McDavid, 100 points in 53 games. It's the best season that a player has had in 25 years since I think Mario Lemieux in 1995-96. It's good, good, feels good. We, we've clinched everything and now Connor McDavid getting four points in that last game against Vancouver. What's your guys' thoughts on this? I think Connor McDavid sits his butt down for a bit, doesn't he? Oh, God, he's earned it. (laughs) I mean, it's the greatest season I've ever seen. I, like, I was alive when Mario Lemieux had that 95-96 season. That was, like, ridiculous, like, 2.3 points per game in that era. Uh, Like, I know it wasn't quite the heart of the dead puck era yet, but it was getting there. That's absurd. Uh, But, I mean, he even missed a bunch of time that year. Like, Connor has played every game. He has been unbelievable it's the best hockey i've seen when i was old enough to appreciate it by anyone uh and it's just so cool that it's for an oiler who we get to watch all the time yeah i know there's a lot of other fan bases that are are pretty pissed off right now because we got gretzky in the 80s i wasn't alive for that but now uh we got Connor mcdavid for this generation so two very good nhl players playing for the edmonton oilers is pretty awesome well you can also tell like there's a lot of fan bases that are just um and I can get it. If it's not your guy and you're not watching him night after night, you don't actually just realize how incredible he's been playing. Right. So there's a lot of fan bases. Oh, well, our, you know, our players had more. Um, the one I saw today was someone for uh, Crosby. Well, Crosby's had a, a bigger impact on, um, you know, Penn's production. But I think that that's just like you're not watching Connor McDavid night after night because, like, I don't know how you say that. Uh, players had a greater impact on their team than Connor McDavid on this team, um, this Edmonton Oilers team, if you're watching them, right? Like, I think no knock against anyone who thinks that they've got a guy that's better, but like statistically, Corey will back this up, their numbers and stuff. Statistically, you don't. Statistically, this guy's the best guy. You All right, there's, there's no like numbers versus eye test debate on this year's Connor McDavid. I mean, if there is, I haven't really seen one or it's a very, very niche thing that someone's kind of cooked up out of nowhere. Like it is, everyone is in agreement. Connor McDavid is wrecking the league right now and he's the best player. Absolutely. It's not to take anything away from Sidney Crosby and Austin Matthews. Like Austin Matthews getting 40 goals in this 56 game season. That's also a really impressive uh, accomplishment and we're not taking anything away from him, but Connor McDavid has just been on a, absolute other level and i think if you look at um the percentage the percentage i can't talk the percentage of oilers goals that he's been a part of it's just it's just incredible the 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 night and day difference when he's on the ice for the Oilers compared to when he's not on the ice it's just it's not a debate for me like i don't understand how anyone could not have Connor mcdavid winning the Hart trophy this year well that's just very simple like you're not you're not watching right yeah you know, yeah, absolutely. you don't see it if, if, you, if you're not watching and you don't see how good he is. Well, then you think your guy's actually got a legitimate chance. <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't underestimate how many of the people, like throwing who are saying that Connor's not having the best year are, are just trolls or like, you know, comments like that get quote tweeted or whatever. I, I don't think that many people actually believe that. Like I, the percentage of total hockey fans, I think most people are just are just wowed right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So As he's, they got the, be. he's got this uh, 153 milestone in the books now. So it's done. It's over. What do you think the, the next milestone for, for Connor McDavid? What's the next big thing that we're going to be waiting for? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, that's a good Cup one. Ring, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's a good point. Sorry. That's a, that's a really straight to the point uh, milestone. That's for sure. Well, the NHL had a, I don't know what, like a, a graphic early. Like, 
like early this week about how if Connor and Leon win a, a cup this year, then they're the 10th and 11th like players to have, you know, managed the heart, the, you know, Art Ross and a Stanley Cup before a certain age. I think it's like 25 or 26, something like that. Um, so really, you know, you think he's he's got all these scoring accolades and all those things, but he's got to win a cup, right? That's yeah, the whole point of the, the NHL. It's like Sidney Crosby. In the beginning of his career, everyone knew he was a good player, but it wasn't until he won that cup that everyone was like, okay, this guy is obviously a Hall of Fame player. So, you know, that's, if, if Carr McDavid, uh, much like Alex Ovechkin, if he doesn't get that cup, um, until then, it's, there's always going to be those people. I don't think he's a, a Hall of Fame generational talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd, I'd have to disagree with that. I would uh, too, but you know, but, there's a large yeah, crowd. Yeah, people will say that. You're, you're hundred. You just don't want Connor McDavid to have that asterisk at the end of his name, greatest yeah. hockey player and ever to win the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. Go in a cup. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think it's all. A... I think it's already him. Like that's which is. I mean, we're kind of getting off on a tangent there, but. Because obviously longevity plays into plays a big role in that, and you could say like Marcel Dion maybe is probably the popular choice for best hockey player to never win a cup right now. But I think Connor McDavid's peak that he's that he's at right now is higher by far probably than anyone who didn't end up winning a cup. Yeah, he's already probably the best player who hasn't won a cup. Yeah, but he doesn't want to like retire no. with that asterisk there. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying have yeah. at the end of your career. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we touched on, I touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but the Oilers, uh, also went three and one against the Vancouver Canucks. I thought they looked good in all four of the games. The one loss I think was mainly pinned on Miko Koskinen for having just an absolutely <laughs> brutal, uh, first period showing where you gave up the first four shots. Um, I also liked, uh, Dominic Cahoon on the top line with McDavid in the latest game. Uh, well, Kyler Yamamoto kind of struggled in every role, um, they tried him in. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd concur with that. I mean, I think it was a really good week. Um, we, we didn't think Vancouver was really good. I can't remember exactly what we, what we, I mean, I guess I wasn't on last week's podcast. I think we, both we, we went with uh, a realistic um, two, one in one kind of situation oh, because yeah, you right. weren't here to hype Preston would, up into his four yeah, zero zero. You weren't here. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get the hype <laughs> undefeated thing going. So I decided so to I, realistic I, I peer pressured Preston into a uh, <laughs> responsible, um, but yeah. And it looked uh, like obviously last, uh, last game was a bit tighter, I think for them, they still looked good, but you know, a bit of a tighter game. Um, Probably just that bounce back from like you were talking about that uh, awful start. <laughs> I felt so bad because Koskinen is, has had so much against him in this season just with how well Smith's been playing. And then to finally, like, you see him, he's going in, <laughs> and then you see him trending, and it's for all <laughs> the wrong reasons, <laughs> right? You're yeah. like, oh, ouch. I know every time we talk about goaltending on here, we, we come to the, or I come to the conclusion that I have no idea what's going on. And it's just like, there's no such thing as good. I think Shona said, there's no such thing as good goalies and bad goalies. There's goalies who are playing well and not playing well. Yeah. And I, yeah, well, I that's my personal theory on goalies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put on Twitter well. there that uh, I'm, I, I, I will admit that when Mike Smith doesn't play well, I am one of the first to jump on him. But for Miko Koskinen, all the indications this year is that he's been having a good year. Ever since Mike Smith came back, he's been a very good goalie. And for us to throw that all away because he had one bad game just doesn't seem fair, especially <laughs> right before the playoffs. We but need is, two is, confident goalies going into the playoffs. This just is how goalies case. work, right? Exactly. Like, you all, goalies are only ever remembered for their last good or bad game. So, you know, Smith had a couple um, – less than stellar performances, like notably against Calgary a bit ago. But, you know, once you move out of like, once you have a good game, that's the one that people remember or a bad game. That's the one people remember. So until Koskinen starts again and has like something else for people to talk about, like it's going to be this like disastrous start to this Vancouver game. Right. So I think it's, it's quite unfortunate because like you were saying, Preston, neither one of them has been, you know, they've both had good form. They've both been um, consistent, fairly consistent goalies throughout the year for the Oilers. And I think that it's important, like you were saying, that going into a playoffs after a shortened season, that we uh, 
have two reliable goalies, so I'd rather this not be the thing that Koskinen's like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> so. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I don't know. Maybe by the end of the playoffs, Corey will have figured out goalies. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. Goalies are crazy, man. I, I don't get them. And I don't the key, expect to get them The key to goalies too. is always just respect the goalie and feel like the goalie's doing the best just, the goalie can and do. And just hope that they can stop the next shot. Um, along with a 3-1 and one series win against the Vancouver Canucks, the Oilers also clinched a playoff spot, first time since 2017. And like 2017, I believe, they're also the second seed in the North Division, and that's not up for grabs anymore. The Winnipeg Jets are out of... Uh, out of uh, the running for the second seed. And it's most likely that we're going to play either the Winnipeg Jets or the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. Uh, do you guys have any like uh, preferences on who the first round matchup could be? Well, I'm glad you asked Preston because yes, I do. <laughs> it's the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't think it's particularly close. Like I think the Oilers would absolutely smoke the Jets. Uh, they've looked really good against them all year. I think it's just like a fire wagon hockey, skill on skill, run and gun game that the, the Oilers just won't lose. They have Connor McDavid. They have Leon Dreisaitl. Ever heard of them? Like they, those guys don't lose run and gun games. They're just too good. And uh, Hellebuck is terrified of McDavid. Probably wakes up screaming oh. whenever he has to play him. So. Leave them. The goalies this, alone. Lots of goalies are terrified of McDavid. Here, Corey. I, uh, like, uh, I'll knock on wood for like a minute straight here, if need be. <laughs> but I, I do like the matchup. Matchup. Yeah, I, I'm with Corey. I like uh, the Winnipeg matchup way better than the Montreal matchup, just because I feel way more confident in um, how the Oilers have played against the Jets. Like they have struggled mightily against the Habs, but the Jets they seem to like be confident in their play against. And, you know, if we're going to have a, a playoff season or series to get things started, I want it to be that one where you feel like confident, and you know what you're doing, not that one where you're down two games. Cause uh, <laughs> you're still trying to figure out what the other side's got. Well, you know, even so. if we don't get the Winnipeg Jets, we're going to have a little bit of a preview. If we do get the Canadians this week, we play them twice. Um, I agree with both of you guys. I think the Winnipeg Jets is the obvious uh, favorite to face in the first round for the Oilers just because of how dominant they've played against them. Um, and like you said, Corey, it's a run-and-gun game, and when you have Car McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you're going to win that run-and-gun game more often than you lose it. As long as you have some sort of defense, any sort of defense at all. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, and we, we know that these defensive pairings are all over the place uh, lately. The other thing I think that would work is that if we're playing the Jets in the first round, that means Toronto's playing the Canadians, and I think the Canadians play a much stronger game, so I think it, the Leafs would be worn down from a series with a team like Montreal more so than a team that doesn't play a particularly rough game in the Winnipeg Jets, so it could soften up the Leafs if the Oilers are able to get to that second round and give us a fighting chance, right? That's a really good point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I sure. think, you know, I think that um, Montreal has matched up against, like Preston was saying, Toronto way better, right? So, you know, not even just considering the fact that, you know, it's way easier travel ways for the East teams to face the East teams and the more Western teams to face the more Western teams, you know. Um, but I don't know. Like, I mean... I would feel a lot more confident in the Jets if they weren't just two points ahead of the Canadians, but I still can't figure out how the Flames are completely eliminated yet. <laughs> they won tonight, which if we're recording this on Sunday. They beat the Sanders five to one, so they they stay alive just by a little bit. Um, if the Canadians even yeah. win one more game, or I think just get a point or something, the Flames are out. So I wouldn't bet on them. Yeah, they have uh, four games left to the the Flames, and they're eight back of the Canadians. So if the Canadians get any sort of point at all in their next game with us, we would eliminate the flames, which almost makes me want them to get a point, but not. You, you know what? The Oilers enough do control for them to actually their get own a point. destiny here with these two games against the Montreal Canadians. I think if, if uh, the Oilers are able to sweep the Canadians this week, which I know me and Corey will say they will do at the end of this episode. Um yeah that this mole is way more likely that we face the Jets. So, you know, all this talk about sitting Connor McDavid and maybe Leon Dreisaitl in these last few games. I don't know. I think you keep them going just to, to keep the Canadians out of, out of uh, 
touch with that, that third seed. I think, I think it's, I still think it's worth sitting them for some of it. Maybe you don't sit them both in the same game, but I think it's worth sitting one of them in each game. You know, yeah, they, like strategy. you said, Preston Connors played every game so far, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he doesn't need an Ironman sure. streak. Like, you know, he can take a game off. I think no matter what, that last game against Vancouver is going to be pretty bare bones for the Oilers because it means mostly nothing. If yeah. not nothing, I don't think it means anything, actually. We're set. Well, Vancouver is not. So. Vancouver is, strictly speaking, not eliminated, and neither uh, is Calgary. Okay, well, but they're both practically eliminated. Yeah, so. they're, they're not going to make And there, it, Corey, so. you got me to say someone's eliminated before they're actually mathematically eliminated. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean – Definitely manage their minutes too, in terms of Leon and Connor. Like if they play those games, if the score starts to get it, getting out of hand either side, like I don't want to see them very much. Like no no point in, in them getting injured or anything. Yeah, you don't need these guys uh, playing twenty five to thirty minutes in these games. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. one of the other um, milestones that was hit this week was Leon Drysaddle in the last game. Just this the same as McDavid in one hundred and fifty three. He got five hundred career points. Um, how has he looked this season? I think he's been kind of up and down for the most part. He's been a really good player, but he's had those stretches where it just he doesn't look into it. So, what are your guys' thoughts on Leon Dreisaitl this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's super. It's the biggest compliment I could give to almost any hockey player. I think McDavid's the exception because he's just the best. Is that at your worst, you're like a top ten forward in the league, and that's what. Leon Dreisaitl is this year. And I don't think there's another player besides McDavid who has has high, as high of a floor as Dreisaitl. Like Dreisaitl's not easy. He hasn't played as well as he did last year. He's not in the hard trophy conversation again uh, because it's McDavid and no one else is close. But he's still had a really good year. God, like, Corey, I didn't realize you were entertaining conversation on that topic. No, I'm not. I'm not. I brought it up and it, that was stupid. But yeah, no, he's... <laughs> scored 30 goals in 53 games. It's phenomenal. I mean, he'd be at very close to a, a 50 goal pace in a full season. Uh, second in the league in scoring. I mean, a lot of that has to do with next on power play, but he's just had a great year by anyone's standards. The possession numbers aren't quite what they, uh, you know, they could be. They're not on McDavid's level. For instance, there is a bit of a step down uh, when they play on separate lines between the McDavid line, and the dry side of line, but he is, He's fantastic, and, uh, you know, he's at worst the 10th or so best skater in the league, um, probably in the top five for me, uh, which is cool. I mean, that's that's a great second banana to have. Oh, yes. Great, great, uh, great problem to be worse than the minor hockey diety, you know, playing on your team. <laughs> yeah. Your possession is not quite what that hockey, you know, yeah. hockey god on uh, the first line of your team has. <laughs> Just Horror, a demi <laughs> yeah, yeah and um um oh i lost my train of thought what were you gonna say shona just i think he's been a decent you know no Corey's right he hasn't had that year which like last year they kind of surprised people and that his production and his his impact overshadowed mcdavid's but mcdavid has also had a year that like i firmly believe that there's only like so much puck possession time so much, you know, so many goals that can be scored, so many assists that can be had, you know, and I'm sorry, apparently Connor McDavid wants a certain amount of them, you know, therefore there's just less for Leon Dreisaitl, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say when I, uh, when I say that he's not, he's had stretches where he's not uh, his best that like Corey said, he's still a really good player. It's uh, he's played so well in these past few years and we have high expectations and we're going to put it to him, but he's still a good player, even with the criticism that I give, give to him. And another thing like plus minus, I don't think any of us think plus minus is a great stat, but he does lead the league in it. Uh, a lot of that has to do with a, a really high on ice save percentage, which is not generally or really ever something that a forward's going to have a huge impact on. But, uh, you know, the, the possession numbers are, for the most part, positive, if not outstanding. Uh, the on-ice gold numbers are outstanding. Uh, I'm doing a little quick calculator math here. Over an 82-game season, he would be on pace for 122 points. So, Look which at that. Would be really, really, really good. Best. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. 
We've got Corey back to do calculator math. <laughs> we missed that because I don't know if me and Shona could do that. Um, I want to ask you guys, what, what, what do you think your favorite Leon Dreisel moment in his entire career is? I'm going to go first. I think it's um, it's a pretty obvious one. Uh, you guys might have the same moment in mind. It's the four goals in game six of the second round against Anaheim in the 2017 playoffs. Just a phenomenal moment. Yeah, I, was gonna, I thought wasn't that, I thought it was three goals, two assists. Oh, but, was it? Maybe I'm wrong. I thought I mean, it was four. Either way, it's the, it's the same game we're thinking of. The the home win against the Ducks. That was phenomenal. I mean, that was that was great. You can't really top that in a playoffs. It's one of the greatest playoff performances in recent Oilers history. What about you, Shona? Yeah, I don't know. I like that. I also just, I don't know if there's one moment, but I think there's just like, you know, a bunch of moments where you watch him play and you're like, it's the same with McDavid for me. Oh, this guy, you just watch and you're like, yep, yeah, you know, this is this is something he was really like actually um, meant to do because you watch them play hockey and they're just doing stupidly talented things and you can tell that they're just enjoying the hell out of it, right? So, you know, making passes. And there's one quote early this season that always makes me laugh and it's not like a hockey moment, but like, Barry said something about how he thought Dreisaitl's pass was for him and he almost dropped back for it. And Leon's response was, I don't make bad sauce passes. You know, <laughs> this is supposed to be going to Connor, you know? And I just think, you know, it's things like that where you can tell that they, they love what they're doing and they're just so phenomenally talented at it. And that comes through so clearly, you know, when they're just doing something stupid, stupid on the ice that you're just like, yeah, okay, there's like five people in the world that would, you know, think to do that. And two of them happen to play for my team. That's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredibly fitting. And I mean, there's so much recency, recency bias in this. Um, it's clearly not as good as his playoff five-point Patrick game. But it was so awesome that he got to score his 30th goal in the year on McDavid's 100 point of the year because the chemistry between those guys is just so off the charts. Uh, like it couldn't have happened any other way, really, if you think about it. Yeah. And I think um, Leon Dreisaitl has like made a trademark goal this year. I don't know how many of those 30 goals were set up on a one-timer from that, uh, that circle position, face-off dot position. If, I feel like it's like 95% of his goals come from there. He's, he's getting that into his catalog. And I think like, if you look back through his career, you'll probably like, if you're looking for it, you'll probably see that there's, you know, a fair number of goals that come from that area on the ice, if not necessarily that specific spot. But I mean, like, that's the, the one thing I like about uh, Dreisaitl is there's a kind of versatility to his game that's not that McDavid doesn't have a versatility. It's just different in Dreisaitl's game, you know. I think that they're excellent complements to each other. But Dreisaitl's game is definitely a, more of a physical game than McDavid's. So, you know, um, if I want if you want to, you know, a top 10 forward on the, in the NHL to go punch somebody, we're picking dry side. I'll go do the punching. Cause McDavid, you know, I still remember that rookie year with the hand. No, no punching people, please. Yeah. Right? Russell has shown a mean streak in his game before. One, one thing I've always thought about dry side too. Uh, and this is not really related to his mean streak at all, but McDavid's kind of like Superman. I feel where he's just like, he's not human. He can fly. Uh, everything he does is super impressive. He is the best superhero. But, I mean, Dreisaitl is more like Batman in that what he's doing is really impressive because he's just a dude with a bunch of money and some access to, like, a cool car and he was afraid of bats as a kid or something. So, like, that's <laughs> – I mean – I like how your, your definition of superhero is literally, you know, not a superhero. Not he a superhero. results as a mortal, which is unreal. He's just really, really good at a bunch of things, but he doesn't like, he can't skate twice as fast as everyone else. And he does like, he's just, he doesn't think, I mean, he thinks the game extremely clearly and has great vision, but his hands don't move at, just at a like an incredible rate. Like McDavid's like McDavid is the, well, he's probably actually more like the flash now, if I'm actually getting into semantics, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Dreisaitl is Batman. He's just a human. He's doing his best and he's, he's, he's great. 
That's the perfect analogy uh, of all the analogies we've had on this show. That one is probably at the top of the list. I don't know. I liked the cat vomit for David too. That was also <laughs> good. Yeah, was, good. We've had, we have a few really good analogies over here. Those are top two for sure. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about something a little less happy. We're going to be talking about Larson potentially signing a four-year contract. Then we're going to get into the Oil Kings, who absolutely demolished the WHL. Uh, we already touched on it, but we're going to go into it uh, a little bit more. I think we should talk a little bit more about who we'd rather play with, Montreal, Winnipeg. And then uh, we're going to be looking ahead to the last three games of the regular series season. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. We left off talking about uh, our favorite Leon Drysaddle moments and how Connor McDavid is the Edmonton Oilers resident Superman or Flash, and oh, uh, Drysaddle is the resident Batman of the team. Now we're going to be talking about uh, Adam Larson. Uh, it came out over the weekend. Elliot Friedman reported on Saturday Night Headlines that the Oilers were nearing a four-year contract with the Swedish defender. We don't know the uh, salary associated with that, but I want to get your guys' first thoughts on that four-year term for Adam Larson. Can't say no, you don't. No. You really don't want our first thoughts. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, like Larson's had a good season, like a little bit better than probably I would have expected him to have played this season. I, I think he's been really solid. He's been the type of Adam Larson that we like to see and that you know, he never really produces much offensively, but he can be a calming presence back there. The thing that I'm not a huge fan of is the term for a guy whose ceiling is not very high. And although he's not old, I mean, like, you're just not going to. He's gonna... NHL old. He is NHL <laughs> old. I mean, he's like, he's younger than me, so that makes me feel bad. But uh, that's why we're qualifying for him. Yeah. But yeah, he's just, what do you expect from him in four years? Like, is he going to, like, he's going to drop off a little bit and he's not that high of a ceiling of a player right now. So I, I just don't like it. I mean, and plus I just think that there's the Oilers have too many defensemen right now and they're not getting them all in the, in the, on the ice. Like Evan Bouchard is awesome. We haven't even talked about him yet. He can't comes back, scores a goal, plays a great game. And then is right back on the bench. Like the last thing we need, need to do is to commit more, uh, you know, money and term to, to mediocre defensemen. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like when you look four years into the future, I don't think Adam Larson really has a spot on this team, especially if, if these prospects develop the way we want them to develop and expect them to develop. Like he's going to be at best, maybe a third pairing defenseman because there's no way Evan Bouchard's not going to be in that second pairing or Ethan Bear. You know, you're not going to play him above those guys. So having four years to this guy, I don't know. The salary would have to be really good. Like I'm talking like 2 million per something that you can move or maybe bury down the line. But if they try to get him at something similar to what he's making now, it's just Chris Russell 2.0. We got his contract coming off the books. And now if we sign this, we're just replacing it. And this is the thing that bothers me actually about talking about Larson right now is it's, it's such an Oilers typical move. Not the one Preston was talking about the other Oilers typical move that we all love to hate on is a player has a good year, so they re-sign them for, you know, term or for money or for whatever. And then you get, <laughs> forgive me for saying this, you get the Zach Cassian effect, right? Where Cassian has a really good year, you sign him, and then you're sitting with a contract that's just bullshit. You cannot move it. You know, you do not want to keep it. And you cannot justify what you're paying the guy for what he's doing. You know, so like you're talking about how you don't see Larson in the lineup in four years. I don't see Larson in the lineup in two years in any, you know, impactful way, you know, not if they're smart about their development. And you know, we've already covered how I don't think that they're that. But, you know, beyond that, you know, if they actually go out and make any serious attempt to develop the defenders in their system instead of squandering them, I don't think Larson has a, a a position meriting, you know, a four by four contract or uh, a contract that's even two by four, you know, like he just doesn't, you know, and he's going to want at least four years for term, right? Like this is, as, as Corey alluded to, this is maybe, you know, his last contract. It's not a, a single year kind of contract going on because he'll be NHL old at the end of it, you know? 
so well, he's in he's getting NHL old now. So this is like the last real opportunity to sign one of those multi-year contracts. So no, look, I really, yeah, you got to look at it. it too here. Um, if he's going to like, I could see him slotting as a, as a third pairing defenseman next year, as early as next season. Cause I think Evan yeah. Bouchard's ready to take that top four leap. He showed in the limited time that we've seen him that he's a really good player in basically all three ends of the ice. Um, yeah. So why are we and, going and giving a guy pretend I can't see him making less than three times four on this. If, he, if it does come to fruition, we can find a guy for a lot cheaper and do the like kind of a similar thing in that pairing. That well, role. if you really wanted, you you just brought in Kulikov, see what, you know, he's coming off not a fantastic year, but does the same, same things as Larson does, and it's probably, you could pay him, do, pay him less to do the same things, right? Um, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I get that there's a lot of emotion tied up in Larson, um, just because of, you know, how he came to be an oiler, which we're not touching with a 39 and a half foot pole. Um, but I don't think that that merits like keeping him when keeping him would be detrimental to the team or overpaying him when you're going to need that cap for, you know, you pay what you give four by four and in four years when you've got actual, you know, really strong and talented and, and just all around well-developed defenders coming in your system and you need cap space to pay them and you're trying to move this guy that people know isn't you know one of your better defenders what it's, are you gonna the do chris russell problem all over it's, again yeah exactly and like i know we say this every time we talk about or i say this i'm sure at least every time we talk about contracts like i don't want to have to root against a guy like adam larson who plays his ass off for my entertainment to get some money and you know secure you know capital for his family for the rest of his life like he seems like a good guy. I'm sure he is a good guy. I just want to see, uh, you know, Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard play prominent roles on this team in the future. And I want to have the money to go sign some other players as a team. So, like, the salary cap kind of sucks as a fan because it makes you root against these guys who who you're rooting for to, to, to succeed on the ice. You're rooting against them to make a bunch of money off the ice, which is kind of weird. But – at the end of the day, it's the reality we live in, and I want to see these young defensemen develop in the Oilers system. And I don't think signing a guy like an Adam Larson to a four-year deal is going to facilitate that. And the thing is, yeah. um, the criticism is is not going towards the player. It's like good for the player. If I was in the if I was Chris Russell, I take that four by four well, every day of the week, and I I don't care what anyone thinks. Well, it's, it's, it's the it's management a... handing out that contract. Yeah, it's the it's very much back to like I don't even know. This is maybe too old for Preston. Um, the Horkoff effect where, you know, the player himself old. is, well, you know, God only knows when <laughs> you started paying attention to these things, Preston, you're just tiny. Um, but like, I've got nothing against a player, you know, when they're offered, you know, money, you know, same as like, everyone's like, oh, we got some of it when McDavid signed for 12.5 million people being like, he's not thinking of the team. No, you put that much money on the table tell those guys to take it every day of the week. This is, this is a capitalist society. That's what they're supposed to do. So, you know, if some other team wants to oblige me and put four by four on the table for Adam Larson, I will tell him to take it every day of the week. I just hope that my team's not the one doing it. Right. Yeah. Which is, I think kind of sums up Corey's point of like, we want all these guys to do well, but you know, the salary cap, like you said, it sucks. It's just not a great thing. Um, I think it might be necessary just to keep parity in the league and stuff like well, that. Well, it's definitely but, uh, necessary to keep parity in the league. Uh, you know, it sucks when you have to kind of subconsciously root against a player for playing well because you don't want the contract to be that big. Um, moving on, um, I think we're all in agreement that that's not a really good idea for the Oilers, and we hope that number comes in a little lower when it is signed. Another thing, actually, um, they should wait until after the expansion draft to do this because if they don't do that, it adds another guy they have to protect. And then you're risking losing Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones or one of them at least. So the timing of this contract is super important. And I, I hope they don't screw this up because that could be disastrous for the Oilers. Yeah. Like they, they need to, it's one thing, you know, if you want Adam Larson back as a steadying presence or whatever, 
Corey was trying to devil's advocate for us. But it's another if you mortgage your future by hemorrhaging assets in this expansion draft. Like, I know that like a lot of fans have already basically said, oh, Seattle will probably take Jones, you know, which is a tough pill for me to swallow because I think he has a lot more potential than some of the guys that they've got on the ice. But, you know, you can't afford to be hemorrhaging young assets, you know. Yeah. Sorry. Like, the Oilers are in a position where they're lucky enough to have, you know, some really, really talented players. We were talking about them earlier, but they all come with a price tag. So you need to be able to, um, you know, balance that. And one of the ways you do that is by developing your really young and talented players where they're on their ELCs. So you, you know, you're getting full use of, you know, cheaper players so you can stay below that, that cap. Right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think we talked about in an earlier episode. I, I think I would, um, it breaks my heart to say it, but I think I would uh, leave Oscar Clefbaum exposed and protect Jones just because of that uncertainty around him coming back. If you take him, if Seattle takes Clefbaum and he can play, that's good. At least we have Jones, but if they take Jones and Clefbaum can't play, well, we lost two defensemen, right? So it's all about minimizing that risk. Uh, moving on to a non-NHL topic, the Edmonton Oil Kings finished their season on top of the WHL, absolutely demolished the league with a 22-1 and record. Sebastian Casa, the goaltender for them, had a 17-1-1 season with a 9-41 save percentage. Absolute Four shutouts. Four shutouts. Just Four say. shutouts, too. Absolute video game numbers by the Edmonton Oil Kings. It sucks that they did this in a year where they couldn't have a proper Memorial Cup. Well, it sucks that they did this in a year. They can't even have proper playoffs. Like each division just finished up and crowned a champion, you know. Oil. I was telling before we started, we were telling Corey. I was telling Corey that the WHL actually figured out win percentage to rank their teams because due to COVID, they um, some teams played different, you know, numbers of games. So it it is possible. NHL, please take note. You know, the baby league managed it, but. Um, it's just a phenomenal year and it, it is disappointing um, not only for the fact that they had just some phenomenal players who were having uh, just breakout years or just fantastic years, but also like um, the one thing that really sucks is because WHL has an age limit that they had their three, uh, their three 20 year old players or some players like Matthew Robertson who were drafted by the New York Rangers that will probably finish up their careers, you know, without, you know, that last game where there are fans in the stands and, you know, you do the the clap and the applause and the stick taps and whatever, you know, cause that it marks a, a like a milestone in their career. And for um, at least a couple of the oil Kings graduates, this will be like, um, I'm thinking Scott Atkinson and Ethan cap, like it, they're going on probably to college or to, you know, university CIS U sports kind of hockey, but they're not going on to like the NHL. They're not, um, Sebastian Costa, who will be is draft eligible this year, or Dylan Gunther, who's also draft eligible this year, both of which are in the top 15 on Bob McKenzie's list. You know, they're they're not players with those kind of curves to look forward to, but they were still very important players to the success of the team. And it it just burns my shorts that there's there wasn't an opportunity for them to truly have, you know, that year where they they get to have playoffs, they get to to win an edge winneth cup they get to go play in a memorial cup you know it's yeah. just crap and like you I said mean, it's uh, necessary crap but it's crap yeah there's no there's no way around it right you wish they could have had a full season with playoffs and that send off like you said but you know it's the situation we're in and you know it's gonna be crap no matter what we do um like you said sebastian casa and dylan gunther their top 15 picks in this upcoming draft. I think that's almost a lock. I don't think anyone's going to, I think Gunther is a top five pick. He was number two in Bob McKenzie's rankings. Uh, Costa was number 14, I believe. You know what? I am adverse to taking a goalie in the first round, but if he's around in the mid, in the early to mid twenties and I'm the Oilers, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm taking a goalie this year. If it's him, if he's still on that board, I don't think he will be, but I, I make an exception to the, my own rule that I would take him. Yeah. Ooh, big praise from Preston. I, I like Casa. That's, uh, that's... <laughs> I'm interested to hear Sean I, 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 on, on Dylan Gunther from like a 
from a dynasty fantasy perspective, which I, I do play dynasty fantasy hockey, like how, how good is he going to be in the NHL? Oh, he is going to be so good. Yeah. Like you can't see me, but it's just uh, like when you watch him, yeah. like he's not okay. He's not Connor McDavid, but like when you watch him on the ice, he's, you know, that like he's, he's small, but he's fast and he's got amazing hands. But the thing about him is he literally like, he'll see what he's supposed to be doing and he'll see what the other guys are supposed to be doing. So like his understanding of not just what should be happening, but what actually is happening and how to turn that into what he wants to happen is fantastic. And his ability to work with, you know, maybe not, you know, the not Leon dry saddles of the world is also pretty good. Um, Gunther came up the first time for the Oil Kings um, as an emergency call up and he stuck for a bunch of games. Um, for those who don't know, the WHL has a, nine game rule for players who are under the age of 16, which he would have been at that time, um, unless they get granted exceptional status by the CHL. He uh, didn't apply, obviously. Um, he's not Connor Bedard out in Saskatchewan, but um, he he just, he looked, and he still looks like, I, I don't know how much you paid attention, Corey, when he was at the U18s with Canada, but just like, I don't know, like when I think of him, like, I think there's a reason he's like two or three in McKenzie's draft rankings, depending on, you know, what day of the week. Um, and it's just, he, he sees the game so well and he plays it so well um, for what's not just what, sometimes what I think with players is they have a hard time separating what they want to make happen from what's actually happening on the ice. Right. And I never with Gunther, I, I never see that. This is the same kind of quality you have in like McDavid or a dry sidle. And I think he's just going to be phenomenal. I mean, forwards aren't really my thing. I really like goalies a lot better, but um, <laughs> high praise, though. High praise. You cannot be more opposite on that point. But yeah, that that's no, that's very high praise. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I, I just I, I think he's. You know, he's going to be one of those people that you look at and, or I look at, cause I don't know, you guys haven't been doing it, watching him. And I just go, you, you see players and you're like, dry is one of them for me, actually, where I'm like, I saw that, that kid playing junior, you know, you saw the seeds of what they were going to become before they were a superstar. Right. Like, so um, I think that Gunther will be one of those. There's a couple, you know, you think Gunther will be one of those. I saw Ryan or Samson Reinhardt when he was with the, the ice and, you know, obviously not a great career, but you just, there's some of them that you just see and you think they've got something special. And if it doesn't get squandered or mismanaged or poorly used, you know, Tristan Jari's a goalie out in Pittsburgh's another one. You think they're going to be something special to watch because there's something special to watch now. And Gunther really is like, he's something amazingly special to watch. So, right, right, high praise, high praise. Uh, Dylan Gunther coming to a Buffalo, Detroit, Anaheim. Dare, dare I say Anaheim? What if he goes to Anaheim and we have to hate him? I would not like yeah. to do that. <laughs> uh, I can uh, love the player and hate the team. I got mad fair. practice on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm super excited to see some of these O Kings make the NHL and, and start yeah, doing some, and like, making some serious damage here. Like, yeah, like you were saying, um. Others would be smart if they wanted to take us. So you were saying, as telling you before, Preston, he takes a lot of net. Um, I'm what five, 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 six, and every time I've met this kid, um, just like you look up and you're just like, oh, all the way up there, he takes up a lot of net, but he doesn't move like, you know, yeah. strangely not awkward like he should be, considering I think he's a draft partly. <laughs> so, you know, all right. I think that they'd be. They'd be well uh, placed if they, for some for some reason, ended up with either of those players. Not holding my <laughs> breath on Gunther, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, moving on here, I did say we we're going to talk a little bit more about Montreal or Winnipeg. I'm scrapping that idea. I think we're pretty much in agreement. Winnipeg's the player, the team we want to play. So I'm just going to breeze over that. Um, and let's look ahead to the next uh, three games for the Edmonton Oilers. We got Montreal 
on Monday. If you're listening to this on the day of release, that's tonight. Um, and then I believe we play them again on Wednesday and then our last game on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. Now the Montreal series is obviously the more important, the more interesting one because we've kind of struggled against them. They're a potential playoff matchup. What are you guys looking for in these two games? I mean, I think Shona did kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when she said like, you just really don't want to see anyone get hurt. Like we are, we are in a, a good spot. Like we don't have to play everyone each of these games. I think everyone will probably play if I'm just guessing, not like advising anything against Montreal. So number one is just like no major injuries, but uh, beyond that, I, yeah, I just want to see them play Montreal kind of the way they did uh, a week or two ago when they last played them, played them tough, uh, you know, didn't get out chance drastically um one thing i i always like to see against montreal is the refs actually call penalties because montreal's <laughs> defensive strategy seems to be to just hold uh and obstruct players in the neutral zone and especially you know the mcdavid's and dry saddles of the world and if they get called for all that stuff like the oilers power play makes people pay so um i mean that's actually not as important this week as it is in a potential playoff series but i would like to see Montreal get called a couple of penalties because they, they, you know, they're just uh, kind of a team that likes to make the game a little boring with a lot of obstruction. And I don't like to see that. So yeah, call, call the game. Yeah, and they're going to be a motivated team too. Cause you know, they're still fighting with uh, Winnipeg for that third spot in the, in the playoff picture. So I think they have a lot more to play for than the Oilers might have right now. I, I think, yeah, the, I think Corey hit it on the head. saw safe or watchwords for me are safe and competitive, you know, um, it's fine if they don't get all the points out of it. It's fine if they, you know, don't even get the majority of the points out of it, but if they keep their players in, um, you know, not broken shape and, you know, so descriptive of me, not broken, um, the opposite of broken, just like, you know what they look like now, keep them like that. Um, but, uh, they, um, you know, I wouldn't actually mind if they sat a bunch of people and let some of the, the younger players like Bouchard and Jones and bear and, and just like um, McLeod even have some more ice time, just like, you know, see what they can do. You know um, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, but I, I would like a competitive game. I don't want to get blown out of the water. Like five, one, I hate losing, hate it. Yeah, you know? and we're pretty used to that as Oilers fans this past decade. I, I, I didn't, so, say, hey, I, didn't say I wasn't used to it. I don't like it, though. <laughs> good change of pace here that we're actually winning games. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I want a competitive game. Don't want any injuries at all. Um, that would be, like, disastrous at this point in the season, right before the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I wonder if they will sit McDavid or Dreisaitl because they both reached those milestones they were kind of going for. Um but like I said earlier, you know, the, the Oilers, I think the Oilers want to play Winnipeg. So they're going, they're going to also be motivated to make sure that it will be Winnipeg in that first round. And I think it will be some fun competitive games in, in both of them. Uh, and as for that last Vancouver game, you know, I, I, I don't care. I just don't have a lot of, of feeling or investment in that one. That one that it's so far from the bank or from the, like it's Monday, Wednesday, and then Saturday. It just, it, it yeah. seems pretty. And I know that's Vancouver's schedule, but I thought that the playoffs were starting for some of the other teams on Saturdays, you know, other yeah, divisions. I, I like, I, if I was so the league, I, I really I'd be just, like, just, 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 just like at that it. point, like, I just want to be to the league, like win percentage. Look, yeah, like, look, we even have a league anymore. for you, <laughs> you know, um, just because I think it doesn't, at that point it won't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of holding everything up. But, yeah, um, yeah, I think the league is hell bent on everyone getting fifty six games. Yeah. They want they want to say that they did that with everyone. Yeah, so. well, I think we I'm all know saying. the league is going to make all those games get played. But nobody, I I don't even know who in the league wants it to happen. But pretty much no fans want those games to be played. I don't even think fans of Vancouver or I think Calgary fans of games against Vancouver like after everyone's done. Uh, Vancouver Calgary fans aren't going to want even watch those games. Yeah, I mean, but I'm that's the thing now. is Vancouver fans were all a lot of the Vancouver fans were all for canceling their season for the, yeah. the wellness of their players and their team. You know, they were way more responsible about it than the NHL. I just think that um, like that last hang on game 
where teams can't, or the Oilers at the very least can't close the book and like get, you know, in playoff mode because they're not technically done the regular season. So they've got to figure, you know, this, this stupid hanging on Vancouver game, you know, that doesn't actually probably mean anything. It's, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to pay attention to, to it. I don't think a lot of other fans will pay attention to it either. If make David or dry style play in that game, why really, you know, the Canucks have taken some liberties with the others. These past few games where, you know, it's with nurse with the knee to the head. You don't want to see guys like that. Take oh, yeah. that and early, Preston, so. you didn't schedule my rant about concussion protocols. That's right. That's what I forgot for this. Um, <laughs> I think I know the gist of what you're going to say. NHL <laughs> does not have a proper concussion protocol. I agree with you. And well, why are we track. watching Kira play again? Like he did not mm. need to be here and he was not looking very here. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I said that on Twitter a few times where I'm just like, why are we playing Kara? Like I, I get, he's been a useful player this year, but you got to put the players health and safety above his impact on the roster so having him come back from those two hits is just like it makes no sense to me the other thing is i don't think that they were appreciably worse or appreciably better with him there Mm -hmm. because he's not ready to be back so you know the player that was actually making a positive impact for the oilers you know wasn't the player that came out on the ice so you know player safety in the nhl whether it's doling out suspension or fines which i like to do lately or assessing players safety is just it's just terrible it's awful that's another rant apparently even the new york rangers agree with me on that rant yeah it's a rant for another day we can make a we can make a whole episode ranting about how uh terrible the league is at handling Uh, look at this look at this everybody we've reached episode 10 and we're already brainstorming your on season content (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right well i think that's going to do it for this episode of oh, the copper wait, and wait. podcast this oh. is the part where you guys tell me that we're going three and oh yes it will be three and oh but i'm gonna predict that they will come to their senses cancel that vancouver game so we're gonna go two and oh uh i i'm usually very optimistic in these in these uh i will continue to be optimistic on winning and say three and oh but uh, there's no way they cancel that game on Saturday. They absolutely <laughs> should, but I can't even hope for that. Like, We're different there. I'm wishful thinking for that, but yeah. you're, you're yeah. probably right. What about you, Shona? Are you going to go realistic on us I'm going to go realistic, you know, as we do. I think that they'll go two and one. Um, I hope those two are the Van- or the Montreal games, and I hope that they just tank the Vancouver game because they don't give a damn. In. Get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I can see that. All right, so, now this is going to be the it this for is the- now you can go for the 10th episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll talk to you guys next week.